The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and this week, as every week, we are striving to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to uh, start or build your own real estate investing career. And today, you're listening to a very special pre-recorded program because I am out of town and... I really, 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 really wanted to make sure that you got to um, listen, experience, learn from today's guest, because uh, if you are a big thinker, if you have sat around and said, why are real estate investors happy if they can make like a million dollars? Why aren't they why aren't they thinking in the in the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars? You're really, really, really going to like John Burley. He actually started investing in real estate back in the early 80s, but in 1989, he founded a private equity company that he currently uh, uh, serves as CEO of. Uh, It has completed over 1,800 real estate transactions, 1,800 real estate transactions, and Ladies and gentlemen, these weren't wholesale deals that just went away and never were heard from again. These were some full-blown deals that a lot of us a lot of us can't figure out how to do 3 a year and here John has done 1800. He has worked with industry leaders from Les Brown to Robert Kiyosaki and is a well-known educator and author and he's joining us today from home. Welcome John Burley. Thank you, Vina. Very excited to be here. Really looking forward to this. And I am super excited to talk to you because you straddle this weird line that a lot of our listeners and members of RIA groups and so on kind of kind of don't get a lot of um, exposure to because it seems like there's there's two worlds in real estate, right? There's the there's the small residential world, which is you know what most real life real estate investors would inhabit where if you have 150 properties, you're a giant mogul. And then there's the commercial world where, you know, folks like, you know, Sue Nelson, who's going to be a guest coming up here shortly, she has 1,500 apartment units. They're all over the United States. She doesn't see them. She doesn't go talk to the tenants and collect their rents. And and, and it's just like a completely different it's a completely different business out there in the commercial world, but you've kind of kind of gotten in between here where it's not that your properties are commercial, but there are a lot of them. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I come out of uh, the world of Wall Street, 
and I had my own brokerage for for a number of years in California, and um, loved the residential real estate. Started part time in the early '90s, you know, doing I guess what we call the the mom and pop stuff, and loved it. And just looked at, wow, there's got to be a better way to do this. So I took the the stuff I knew from real estate and private equity at that time. You know, Wall Street was just doing commercial, and I just looked at it and I and we did some commercial. I was like, wow, the the returns aren't there. There's a lot of big upside in the down run, but the the cash flow rates and and the numbers weren't as high. And I looked at the residential. It's like, well, why don't I just do Wall Street to single family mom and pop homes? Um, you know, we had in the early 90s, there was obviously some big learning curves. We had to really systematize it and do a real business because obviously I'm not running around doing tenants and toilets and that kind of crud. And it was just, you know, really big. And, you know, coming from Wall Street gave me a, a different distinction. You know, in the, the financial planning investment Wall Street side, we didn't we knew that what we did wasn't about stocks and it wasn't about mutual funds. It wasn't about bonds, currency, FX. It was never about any product. It was about money. Um, and so we were very, very clear on what we did. And when I came to real estate, I couldn't find anybody who was clear on it. Everybody thought real estate was about real estate. Yeah, the real estate's there, but it's it's just the means to get to the end, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is, you know, we did uh, raises, started small, then got very big. You know, I, you know, from the very beginning days of the mom and pop, which is where a lot of my students start and win their sphere of influence. And then, you know, doing raises and, you know, myself and many of my students have done you know, institutional raises for tens of millions, some of us over $150 million on individual raises, and then just use it to go into the marketplaces that we work in and, and buy the, the single-family homes. Because at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of your listeners, they know single-family home gets a much higher, much higher rate of return than the, the cap rates that you'd see on, on uh, commercial, multi-unit stuff, et cetera. The, the key was just putting the systems together to have the money and then having the systems together to manage it like a real, real business, which, which uh, just, you know, when I learned the business in, back in the day, and it's not much different today, there was just a lot of sloppy business practices and a lot of waste, a lot of inefficiencies, or a lot of owners running around acting like they were, you know, a $15 an hour employee instead of acting like an owner. So we just took what I love, real estate, um, in the way I understood it, you know, single family homes, it was comfortable. And, you know, at the end of the day, I grew up in a little town of 25,000 people. So part of me is still that little guy from that little town, I could wrap myself around a house. I figured if I could do one, I could do 10. If I could do 10, I could do 50. If I do 50, I could do 100. And, you know, we turned around, and it's actually, we're over 2,000 now. Um, just been an extraordinary journey. And I just, you know, we don't do a lot of education, as you know, Bina, because I'm just, well, I'm too busy running a real company. And when we do do it, it's just amazing watching people just shift and turn on and going like, wow, this is totally different, and this solves my problems, because, I was no different than any other real estate investor. The big problem wasn't finding a deal once you learned what you did. I mean, you got to go through the learning curve. But once you know what a deal is, you know what a deal was. And the problem was by the time we figured out what a real good deal was, the banks wouldn't loan to us anymore and or we no longer had any money to buy with. So then we're, you know, hunting and pecking and searching for those deals in the cracks, which are all – they're out there, the sub-two deals and the owner financing. Those deals are all out there and they all work. But it's a lot of work and it's slow. And, you know, I wanted a really, really large portfolio, real accelerated. And the only way to do that was, from my point of view, and I haven't seen anything different since then, all these decades, the only way to do it is you needed to go to Wall Street mode. You needed to understand how to raise money legally, professionally, ethically, morally, how to give your investors phenomenal rates of return, while at the same time making a lot of money for yourself. 
Very good. Now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to answer all of the questions that listeners are thinking when they hear this a week after we're recording it. I am that real estate psychic that I know what our listeners are, how our listeners are reacting to everything you just said. So listeners, even though you can't call and answer, ask questions, uh, you can hang out and they will be answered in the upcoming segments. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is John Burley, and I would, um, I, would, I would be doing you all a disservice if I forgot to mention that John is one of the 15 top-level experts that's going to be making an appearance at the 2017 National Real Estate Summit sponsored by OREA. Uh, in fact, John is doing uh, uh, two different kinds of workshops. We've got a, a cup, just a small handful of people who just had more information that was going to fit into a 90-minute session. So he's going to do one of the usual 90-minute sessions on uh, Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday afternoon, and this is the reason you don't want to book your plane ticket out until Sunday night or maybe even Monday morning, he's going to be doing a three-hour intensive on his whole strategy and different things that you can do to get started. Because, I mean, you're not going to raise $150 million the day you leave OREA. There's a, <laughs> there's a path here. And he's going to start, you know, show you some of the some of the deals in the cracks, some of the things that you can do to uh, sort of launch yourself into having his business sooner rather than later. And, of course, not having to reinvent it. That, it sucks to have to reinvent somebody else's business. Just do what they did. Uh, so uh, we I understand that we have about three seats left through WMKV. Now, a few weeks ago, we did the fun drive. We had, uh, I don't know, uh, 12 or 15 uh, seats that OREA had donated to the station for their fun drive. And somehow there were still three left. I think we had somebody call back and say, oh, I can't come after all. So you can go to WMKVFM.org and grab one of those discounted seats. It's the, like the regular is 197. And if you pledge to WMKV, it's 157. So um, do that, not just because of John, although he is a great reason to come. <laughs> There's a bunch of other uh, wonderful experts that you're going to hear from as well. So, John, I think the number one question maybe in a lot of our um, listeners' minds is, what is this private equity thing? I mean, you know, we you were about 15 years ahead of the curve, I think, on... What, yeah. what Wall Street was doing, because we, we've all heard of the big, you know, um, you know, uh, American homes for rent and Colony and Blackstone all got into that business after the real estate market crashed. But we hear them called hedge funds and private equity funds and just funds. And so what, what are you even talking about when you say I have a private equity fund? Well, there, there's a lot of different vernacular. Um, I'll simplify the most. And by the way, the guy from Colony is actually a student of mine, amazing guy, hmm. amazing guy, and uh, truly only an only an America story. He went from bankrupt to the to the president of uh, Colony with a big equity piece. I think the the number one distinction between private equity, private equity, and Wall Street has always been considered the the where the big boys and girls play. You know, if you were in this business, this side of the business, this is where you would be. And the reason is with private equity is. There, there's an entrance fee to get in, but after that, traditionally, private equities have very low or no fees, which is very different from most of Wall Street. In private equity, generally speaking, the, the founder owns 30 to 70 percent of the company, so he or she has a huge personal stake in it. And the main distinction in private equity, 
I only get paid if I make my clients money. So my whole objective, my whole goal, my, my mission is to make my clients as much money as I possibly can because I get a pretty good lion's share, a pretty good share of what I generate. But if I don't generate money, I don't get paid. I work for free. So private equity, you know, most stockbrokers, et cetera, if you tell them, look, you only get paid if you make your clients money, most be like, ah, oh, no, thank you. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I feel good about what I do, but I'm not confident to actually put my money literally where my mouth is. So the big distinction with private equity is that um, we get paid for generating profit. So, you know, if I'm doing a rehab, every dollar I save gets me 50 cents. Uh, every dollar more per month I get gets me 50 cents. And we're not doing short-term deals. We're doing long-term. I mean, so we're holding our assets 10, 15, 20 plus years. I have several properties that we bought literally back in 1990 that are still in portfolio. I've been cash flowing for 27 years every month, month after month. So we're really, really focused in taking out all the adversarial and just doing what we can do to generate the most profits. And what we did for the real estate investor, and, and look, you know, a lot of our students, you know, they don't, 100 houses, wow, that'd be cool, but they don't really want 100 houses. They're just like, wow, if I could have 10 or 20 or 50 houses. And keep in mind, with the model we use, every single house we buy, we get $10,000 up front. So you do a house a month, you're going to make $120,000 your first year. And then you're going to get the ongoing profits from the homes, but you get the money up front. Because I was no different than anybody else. When I started in the business full time, it's like, wow. I wanted to, you know, most properties I bought, I wanted to hold and keep, but the reality was I needed to eat. And so by going to a model that had an upfront fee, which is very normal, I mean, it's really weird to me. Every other industry in this country that does anything to do with money, stock market, bond market, uh, mutual funds, you know, anything, um, there's always a fee for services charged up front. And the only person who didn't do it when I was looking at it was like, wow, us real estate investors, we're really, really silly. We should be charging fees and getting paid up front like everybody else in the business world, and we're not. It's like we were kind of in the shadows not running a real business. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And-, and so that's where we went. And you know, lots of our students, uh, Vina, they use it to buy an extra 10, 20, 50 houses over – a year to five years at whatever their pace is. And then with that said, we've had a lot of students who are really proud. We, we call it the Century Club. We've actually had more students go on to have 100 properties in portfolio than anybody else, which to me is always amazing because, as you know, I don't do a lot of education. haven't for a lot of years. Uh, and the reason is we just took the shackles off. I mean, the, in the early going of my career before I started applying this stuff to it, the problem always was either didn't have money for uh, down payments anymore or the bank had cut me off yet again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But boy, do I. <laughs> that, yeah. that situation so, has gotten worse, not better, since 1990. Oh, oh far worse. And so what, what I did with this model is simply, you know, we, we most people just start out with their sphere of influence. We give them, you know, an exact script, step by step. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is how it's laid out legally. This is the model. These are the steps. Very, very, you know, in-depth. And just show them how to do it. And then they they go at the speed, the pace, and as large or as medium or as small as they desire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Because a, a lot of people get this like, wow, I've got 20 houses, i got 40 houses, i got 50 houses. You know, they all make hundreds of dollars per month positive cash flow. Um, geez, maybe I really don't want another $10,000 a month. But if they do, they know how to take the shackles off and go get the money and make it happen. Mm-hmm. So... 
is what you teach your students to do at all different than what you have done? Because, you know, I, we've had we've had uh, Jillian Sidoti on the show several times talking about raising money and how if you want to raise more than a certain amount of money, you've got to, or if you want to advertise that you're raising money or if you want to work with uh, somebody other than accredited investors, you have to go to the SEC and do filings. And that seems a little extreme for 10 houses. It doesn't seem extreme for 2,000 houses. Yeah, there's, what I do is, is I do a couple different models and I teach, which makes it easy for me when I teach, I just teach exactly what we do. So the, the model most people use on it is they're doing a joint venture model to their sphere of influence, um, done properly, and we lay out the rules very clearly. It's not a security. It's not a mortgage transaction. It's been structured very, very, very exquisitely and perfectly to, to be out of that realm because that is where most people are going to go. And then if you want to go into the public arenas and you want to you know, be doing PPMs and 506s and, and fallen Reg A and Reg D, we talk about how to do that. I have some people who actually open up doing that first thing. Most people open up to their sphere of influence, then work on upgrading their sphere of influence, um, you know, meeting and becoming acquaintances and, and done with a more affluent group and doing it that way. And, you know, some people stay in the middle. We, we, we show the different models and how we do it, um, and, and we actively do it today. And, and with that said, Vina, we, we had a couple guys uh, in 2014-15 uh, students sparse, they did a $150 million race. Mm-hmm. That's a big race, uh, but we have people doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think, and I, I, I imagine you've probably seen the same thing, because although we have been trying to get you, do you, realize, do you realize this is the ninth year running we've been trying to get you to come speak at this convention? I appreciate your persistence. <laughs> Thank you very much. And it's just, um, people I think think it's sometimes a lie when I say when I say I don't do a lot of this this speaking i just i really don't i no. do a couple i do a couple of times a year max that i'll go out and do this because your your ohio area is amazing and i and i know I've, I've been there a few years it's been a while but it, it was an amazing event i hear nothing of great things i've looked at the lineup of speakers you bring in Vina, it's impressive it truly is i mean you guys do an event like no one else i'm excited and i'm gonna literally i'm coming in on thursday and i'm leaving on monday so i'm gonna get there early uh, when I'm not speaking, I'm going to be talking to people in the hallways and popping my head in and watching other people's presentations because, like everybody there, I want to learn more um, and see what's going on, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I believed you when you said you couldn't come, especially when you called me from New Zealand and said, here's where I am and I'm going to be for the next three months. So sorry, I can't do it. It's just you're a you're you're a hard guy to you're a hard guy to nail down, and I and I appreciate why. But um, it, uh, in the education that you have done, especially your own events. I am. I imagine that you've seen this thing in people's eyes where they can't. They can't see how the bridge reaches from them to you, right? They can't see. They can't see how it reaches from their little broken. I own forty properties that I can barely manage, and I can't afford a property manager because I have all these adjustable rate, high rate mortgages on them, and my life's just a nightmare. To yeah. I own over two thousand dollar over two thousand properties that I don't really have any money in and and don't uh, ever get my hands on. I think they have a hard time seeing that. And you know the 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 point that I'm trying to make and that we'll make a little bit more after the break is you can take it one step at a time. Absolutely. You don't you don't have to be and, and, ready to have two thousand properties to to get something out of what John's got got, got to say today. Yeah, I, I think you know. 
perfectly normal for somebody, you know, who, who goes, yeah, I'm going to do this, raises their hand and says, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to going to open myself up to a, to a new approach because obviously, you know, doing what everybody else does just gets you what everybody else gets. And the average person's results aren't that good. Um, and so, you know, we, we don't want to be average and normal. We want to be great. And so most people start start medium, start slow. You know, maybe it's an extra two, five, ten great deals with without toxic financing, without bad loans, you know, that were bought well in the right neighborhood, the right type of property, and they move forward. Very good. We need to take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this joint venture, that place where most of your folks start. So uh, listeners, again, I'm sorry we can't take questions today because this is a pre-recorded show, but, um, you know, sit back, relax, take some notes, uh, enjoy what uh, John has to say, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, John Burley. And uh, for those folks in this part of the country who are saying, well, if John's so great, how come I haven't heard his name? There's this great divide in the United States, and it is the Rocky Mountains. And um, that may sound obvious, but I'm not talking about the geographic divide. I'm talking about like on this side of the Rockies, there's a certain set of folks who are really well-known. And on the other side of the Rockies, there's a certain set of folks who are really well-known. And um, uh, John, if you, go to, if you go to California or Arizona or Las Vegas and you say, hey, who's your very favorite expert in the world? John will be on everybody's top five list. So we're trying to bring folks who you might not have heard of because you live in the Midwest or the South uh, more into your lives because obviously they have good things to say to you. Um, so John, let's, uh, b- before we, before we talk about this joint venture model, it occurred to me um, we, we maybe need to talk about what is happening to these properties. Uh, they're, they're not, you're not looking to retail flip them or wholesale flip them. These are more long-term types of deals. Yeah. Vina, Great question. I was really fortunate. When I got started, I was in a little town, Redding, California, which back then was about 30,000 people. Uh, it had gone all the way up from 25,000 people when we moved there. I actually found there was no RIAs and there wasn't clubs. Stuff didn't exist, uh, which made it a lot tougher for the new person. But I, in that little town, I found three guys who all had 100 to 200 properties. And some had things that I really liked and some had things that I didn't. One of the guys told me, though, and he was really succinct about it and was rather abrupt and pretty rough and i think every you know every fifth word started with with the letter f um but what he taught me is like look you flip when you're broke and if you're not broke you don't flip and no one that you admire or look up to who's rich john flips and it's like okay it's like well that's easy for you to say you're rich i need money and he's like well that that part you need to figure out and i figured that out later he hadn't he didn't have a way for me to do that and so you know i realized you know look warren buffett didn't write a book uh, flip and grow rich I realized that if I really wanted to be wealthy, I had to have assets that I held for the long term that someone else paid for. Um, you know, it was reinforced by, by my good friend, um, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, I think I probably know best with Robert Kiyosaki. I contributed to a lot of the products in the early days. But I was actually the guy who did a tremendous amount of their real estate. they go out and they'd make money from their, their products and their sales, and they'd bring it home and they'd give it to me for down payments. And they were one of my JV partners, one of many, many. And, and so what we do is we buy – Good, solid B properties, not not A properties because the numbers don't work as good, never C properties because they're just toxic. They're not worth the trouble. 
We just buy good, solid beef properties that we'd like to own for 10, 15, 20 years. You know, my rule of thumb in the early days was like, look, I don't want a neighborhood that's not safe enough for my wife and kids to go to at 7 o'clock at night. So if it wasn't safe enough for that, we didn't buy it. What we do for the long term, we put the residents in. And what I needed to do, see, I was no different than a student. Although we were going bigger, in some ways it made it, it well, it multiplied my success, but it multiplied my lack of knowledge at the time and my learning experiences and I guess you could say failures. And, you know, so we, we, we went to what I already knew how to do but had forgotten about and everybody said it couldn't be done. And, you know, I think if you're like this, I mean, I know you are. When people say it can't be done, you're like, oh, really? So I'll just leave and do it. And so we just we devised the JV model, you know, went through different attorneys, got it all set up, got it structured. And when we acquire a property, the reason we don't need to flip and we can hold these assets is, you guys, listen, just imagine you go buy the regular three-bedroom house. And, you know, depending where you live, that's, you know, 40 grand, 60 grand, 100 grand. If there's somebody from California listening, it's, you know, $5 million or whatever it is. But you buy regular houses in regular neighborhoods. Every time you buy the house, as part of the upfront funds that the investor is putting up, your capital investor, you receive a $10,000 fully disclosed, fully declared, you know, upfront for your portion of the work. And that way you get to eat. The investment's safe for the investor. You're not running. You're not bailing. You know, you don't have to, quote, unquote, borrow money. I mean, all the bad things happen is when you're broke and you don't have a way to get money quickly. And then what I didn't want to do is I did it a few times early in my career. The last thing I wanted to do was work really, really hard, find a great deal, spend all that time to rehab it, and then sell it to somebody else for a little bit of money and then watch them get rich the next 10, 20 years on the house. So we look at all our houses. They're the golden goose. I mean, we do not sell homes very often. We keep them. They're in the inventory. We portfolio them. Um, we have models that we use to put the uh, – the residents in for a much longer term. Um, you know, once a resident sells into property, most of my residents stay in the houses for 10, 20 years. I literally, Vina, have people who have been paying me every month for 27 years from houses I bought in 1990. The 89s mm. all, all got cashed out over the years, but I still have 90 to 92 houses for 25, 27 years cash flow every single month. Nice. Nice. So you are you are focusing on a kind of property that is uh, much easier to manage than the typical CD property that a lot of folks uh, maybe get started in. You're focusing on a type of property where you have more exit strategies if you ever do decide to sell because those are neighborhoods where first-time homebuyers want to buy, not just other landlords. Oh, absolutely. It, it, so what I did is I took what we're all familiar with, a regular house, and then I just took the Wall Street money pieces and added to it. And I, and I was 20 years ahead of Wall Street because they obviously poured into this market in eight or nine. Um, several of those big companies hired me as a consultant to look at their models. Some of them then messed the model up, and four or five years later basically hired me again to tell them I told you so and then do what I told you to do four years ago um, because they were applying some of their some of their commercial strategies to residential, some of which don't work in residential, which we'd already discovered, you know, 20, 20 years before. So it's what we're comfortable with. It's the nice property that you'd like to have for the long term that you don't buy because you can't buy it, or even if you get it, you need to flip it because you need the money to pay your bills. I get that. I remember being new, really, really clear. It's, it's one of the reasons, Vina, why I come in on Thursday and I'll hang out till Monday. And you know, it's been a few years since you and I have worked together, but you know me, I'll literally be in the halls at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 in the morning, to answering students' questions because I remember what it was like to be new and needing help, and no one would help. Mm -hmm. Couldn't find them back in those days. And so it, it's regular houses, everything we're familiar with. It's just a way where you now can actually keep them. And when I ask most students, it's like, look, 
if you could get $10,000, would you still flip the good properties? And most of them are like, well, no. I flip them because I don't know how to do that. And this isn't like we don't have to wait 90 days or six months for the deal to get done and be finalized. This is just like um, how it works in a normal business. We get paid up front for our services that we're going to be rendering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's talk about, um, and I know you you actually, not to give away your whole talk at OREA, not that I can do that since you have four and a half hours there and we have like 45 <laughs> minutes here. Um, the, so, so let's, uh, you, 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 you do these deals all over the country. Um, I gather in certain select markets, it's not just randomly, I'm going to buy a house in Jacksonville and a house in Cincinnati, but certain markets where you have support that you need, um, in those markets. Yes. Uh, let, let's, let's say that that B property is a hundred thousand dollar house because in much, in much of Cincinnati, that's what it would be. It would be a 90 to $110,000 house. Um, you're you're buying it under market, I gather. You're yes. renovating it to, you know, tenant-proofed but very stabilized standards, <laughs> and then you are uh, adding ten thousand dollars to what you have in it and selling it to somebody else. And we'll get to what happens with them here in a minute. But uh, so let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar house, and I am your JV partner. About what price am I going to be getting it for? Yeah. So so we're going to be into it. Look, not, not we're not talking the home run glam, glam slam deals here. We're talking the regular deal. Regular deal, it's going to be about eighty cents on the dollar. Um, well, that's you know, spectacular. Don't volume, don't, don't uh, act like that's don't act like that's bad. Turnkey rental buyers here are paying one hundred and twenty cents on the dollar. Oh, <laughs> I, I I understand that. And, and one thing we do, and we'll be, we'll be teaching it, you know, in the long session, is we do about seventy five percent of our deals off market and about twenty five percent on market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the reality today is, is I also I look at this very differently because I look at it as money, not as real estate. And, you know, on the real estate transaction, the, the big money is in the long term, not the short term, always has been, always will be. And where the big money comes is the big money comes from understanding the return. Right now, we've got money that is ridiculously low for qualified investors, ridiculously low. You know, depending on where you're at, 10 percent, most places where I'm at is 20 percent down. Um, you know, a, a good investor with a good price score, good income, a real investor, somebody who's really got money, who's got the money and the assets, their challenges, they work 68 hours a week doing their business, and they don't have time or really the, the wanting to be a real estate investor. They're just not happy with the returns they're currently getting on their money, so they give it to someone like me or one of my students to place it for them. Mm-hmm. And then what we do is, is, you know, we go buy a house, 80 cents in the dollar in that range. You know, obviously, you know, if I can do the $10,000 rehab for $6,000, I save four grand. Well, that makes me $2,000. So we do our rehabs as low as we can. Uh, and then when we put somebody in, what we're looking at is we're looking at the, the rental income versus the debt service. Interest rates have made the debt service incredibly low. So if you put, the, if you if you're calculating the long term and you're calculating the debt service, you know the principal interest tax insurance with the interest rates we have today, which are, you know, historically crazy, insane low. I mean, when I started, they were 19%. I mean, I started investing in 80, and it wasn't until 1993 that interest rates fell below 10%, so I'm used to higher rates. And so, you know, our debt service is very low. Rents are very, very high um, because things that have happened politically that made homeownership so tough. I mean, we're at the 54-year all-time worst homeownership. Um, primarily, there's different factors, but the big primary factor was dot Frank. And so, you know, our income streams are up, our uh, our monthly debt service is down, 
and the prices are moderate to moderate, moderate high. So the prices are higher. You know, look, I wish it was 2010 again, too. Um, but people forget also in 2010, there was no money to borrow for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so what we just look at is we're, we're continually looking at what we call the spread, the difference between what we have to pay to hold it and what someone else will pay it. And we're actually finding right now in many, many markets, these numbers are better than any time that I've experienced in the last 35 years. Because it's not about the price. It's about the, the spread. And too many people are just out there looking at the same thing. They're looking at the price. And, and folks, that's not what it is. It's the spread. You know, if I can buy a house for $100,000 with a 4.5%, 5 5% loan, that's better than buying an $80,000 house with a 10% loan. It, <laughs> it's the spread. Um, and so that's what we look at. We, we, the things we look at are really simple to get a grasp around once you're shown them. The key is to get shown them and go, okay, look, I don't have to do the way everybody else has always done it. And, wow, if it's what everybody else is doing, maybe that should be a flag that I should be looking to do something different. Because mm-hmm. when you get – everybody doing the same thing, it makes it very tough for anybody to do it no matter how good they are. That makes sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And in these days, I mean, this is like, you know, when you hop into an Uber or a taxi cab or you're talking to a receptionist and they're talking about flipping houses, it's like, wow, okay, <laughs> maybe that's not where I should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And thus the 75% off-market properties, solving the problem that inventory is like fatally low in on-market inventory is fatally low in most of the country. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like you kind of you kind of uh, have this all figured out uh, for the current market. And I think we maybe need to take another quick break when we get back. Let's talk about the other side of this JV deal. If I'm the guy who's partnering with you, what do I do and what do I get paid? You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Nina Jones-Cox. My guest today is John Burley. He is one of the many awesome speakers. Um, Maybe he's the awesomest of the speakers at the 2017 National Real Estate Summit being held here in Cincinnati, Ohio, November 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Get your discounted ticket at wmkvfm.org if you go there and you don't see the link because you're listening to the podcast a month from now. It's because those discounted tickets are gone, uh, although you may still be able to sign up. So anyway, um, John, the the when you when you described this JV deal to me uh, on the phone a month ago, I I thought when I was first starting, I would definitely have wanted to be the guy who found the house and rehabbed the house and got the $10,000 and then got to continue to own some of the house. But now um, I'm not going to say how many years later, it's equally attractive to me as the partner, as, as the money person who's, who's not doing the work. So, you know, when you could, when you could look at it and say, wow, I see the benefit for him. And I really see the benefit for me too. Uh, That is a good arrangement. So talk about what happens with the guy who is the, let's call him the money person, the money partner. Yeah, we call them the capital investor, and for most of them, we're the dream come true. Six months to eight months, you know, students who come to Ohio Rhea who go, wow, this is great, I want it, do the model, put it together, they'll get the exact same thing that I and my students have been getting for decades. Six to 18 months after, you know, once a tax return's filed, once they've seen those checks come in every month, they say something to this effect, to this effect and this is what my investors say over and over again. All I did was put up all the money. John did all the work. Because <laughs> the fact is, 
using our model, knowing how to just maximize that spread, the income streams, we make our investors more money splitting with us and paying that 10,000 fee, which is a very, very small upfront number. I understand if you're not familiar with the numbers, that seems like, wow, it's not to people who have money because it's what they do. And everybody with money knows to get great professional management done. You have to pay for it. They've been paying for it their whole wealthy lives. Nothing changes. They're not stuck on that number. If someone's stuck, it's the student trying to do it who doesn't believe in it yet. Mm-hmm. They make great returns, Vina. Um, you know, and, and, you know, they make extraordinarily high rates of return, far above what Wall Street ever did. And our whole mantra, my, so my job in a private equity, here's where private equity really is different than traditional investing. People who don't know what they're talking about say things like, oh, to get a high rate of return, you have to take a high risk, which is the most idiotic thing you could think or say. Not to offend anybody, but it is. Because the reality is if you're taking a high risk, you will lose eventually for sure, absolutely. People go, well, John, what would happen if something bad happened? I'm like, 2007 and 8 wasn't bad enough for you? <laughs> and our company, we didn't survive. We thrived. Well, everybody else was dropping like flies because their models had no way to work in a down market. We thrived because everybody we put into the homes, we, never, we don't put people in unadjustable, toxic stuff. All our residents are living in a, in a monthly they can afford. You know, they may want a $200,000 home. And they're like, well, no, we can give you 125 because that's what you can pay for. If you don't like it, you know, go somewhere else or don't. I mean, so we, the people, the residents stay, over 90% of our residents in the worst of the downturn, uh, the, the late seven, the mid seven, late seven, eight, nine, ten, we had less than 10% turn in the entire portfolio. Because most people, when the market goes down, if they're not overextended, if they don't have a bad market, what they do is nothing. They just stay in their home and make their monthlies. And what we do is we focus on risk mitigation. My whole job, my entire purpose is to reduce and eliminate risk. By reducing and eliminating risk, I can maintain profits through good markets and bad markets and regular markets. And the whole portfolio model is to reduce risk. Everything we teach you as we go through, this is how we reduce risk. This is how we reduce risk. This is what we do to do it. All the adversarial of property management, property owner is gone. The the things that are the best for the property manager are the worst for the owner. I mean, my owners want what I want because I'm an owner with them. I want somebody to move in and live in the home for 10 plus years with with us not having to be nickel and dimed and take care of a million things. Um, You know, we just go through everything. We also... You know, we're, we're very prudent. We're very wise at what we do. Every single property, you know, we have a reserve account set aside for every property individually for each property with each investor. So it's not pooled money. It's individual money. Um, and, and every we've got reserves for all the property like a real business. So this is what it is. Is for I had to develop it. But to me, when I look back at this, what it is, is this is growing up the business. This is growing up the real estate investment industry and taking the, the really good pieces that the professional business world does and bringing them into real estate investment. So instead of just being a real estate investor, running around with our heads chopped off, hoping we can have something work, we're a real business with sound financial strategies, with implemented, you know, marketplace things that we do to go in there and be very, very effective and run it like a real business. Because real estate is a phenomenal business. It's just most people in the business, I don't know if most is the right word, a lot of them, don't really run it like a business, and it's why they're they're so fatally flawed in their returns and what they get. And, and just the biggest thing is, you know, I understand, you know, my brothers and sisters in this business, I get it. I had the exact same problem. I knew how to do deals. I didn't have money. I was out of my money. 
and my bank wouldn't loan to me anymore. So I needed to either just wallow in off-market, sub-two, owner financing, which are fantastic, great, and amazing. They take time to find. And it, if you're starting out, they're also technical. Uh, and so – and I couldn't get them in the volume that I needed. So I went to the natural place, what every real business does. When every real business needs money, they don't try and go try and find deals they can do without money. They go find money. <laughs> And so we just run like we just teach our students to run it like a real business. I mean, the 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 four steps to a real business are number one, have a great idea, guys. Real estate is a great idea. Yeah. You know, step number two is to raise the money. I mean, if you're going to do a McDonald's franchise, you don't go see if you can lowball somebody on some hamburger uh, to to get it delivered in 60 days and go try and find the money. That's not how you do it. You raise the money first, then you buy the product. The third step is you got to monetize your business, and how we monetize is the upfront 10k. And someone's shy about the 10K, do 5K, but you're doing yourself a disservice. And then, you know, the fourth step is to run it like a real business. And what we have now, obviously, being as, you know, I mean, we've been doing this for decades. So we have decades of systems that are fully implemented. When I first designed all this, I didn't do seminars. You, know, you remember the old days, Bean. I mean, heck, if you didn't have a couple hundred properties, you didn't even think about teaching back in those days. Nobody did. Um, you know, there was no internet, one hit wonders, you know, five houses, and I'm an expert stuff. <laughs> and... You know, so it's just it's just really, really sound, advanced business systems for businesses that survive. And, you know, we all know that most businesses in five years, 80 to 90 percent of them fail. Well, it's the same rate for most real estate investors because they don't run it like a real business. And what we do, you know, as my time allows me to come out, and I'm, and I'm really honored and excited, and I really appreciate you keep re-inviting me to RIA, Ohio RIA, is that we're just going to show them how to have a real business that they can be proud of, that's mm-hmm. going to be secure, that's going to be safe, that's going to make them and, most importantly, their investors an incredible amount of money while they serve their community. Because, you can, live, you know, you do this right, you can literally go into neighborhoods and you can make them a lot better. You can stabilize them, um, you know, buy the properties, rehab the properties, and put solid, real good people in there and, get, and, and flush the toxic loans from the world because we don't touch those. We, we get rid of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. Well, um, I am uh, super duper looking forward to seeing your, especially your Sunday afternoon presentation at Oria, because obviously, you know, the, the limitation with the, a radio show type of format is we can't show visuals, we can't look at the kinds of properties that you uh, uh, buy, we can't show, you know, charts that show this is what you would want to pay and you know we can't we can't we can't get into a lot of the detail stuff like you know uh what how are your jv partners leveraging what sorts of loans are you having them get so that the numbers do work and they do get the uh big returns and of course then the bigger picture of when you're sort of past the i'm going to do properties one at a time stage and into the yeah, let me just go buy somebody else's whole portfolio and renovate it. How do you raise money for that? So, um, listeners, not to not to give you the impression that you've you know just heard everything you need to know about how to go forward with this strategy, but hopefully you have um, had your brain expanded and started thinking a little bit. Maybe the problem isn't me, isn't my time management, isn't my market, but maybe the problem is the model I'm working with is broken. So, John, appreciate you being on today and sharing all of your great information. I look forward to seeing you on November the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th here in Cincinnati. 
Thank you so very much. Everybody out there, say thank you. Look forward to seeing you at, at the Ohio Rio. Certainly come out and shake my hand and say hi and ask your questions. And uh, we'll see you then. God bless. Take care. Wonderful. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <music>